Hello and welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Dave Kovar and thanks for tuning in. If you're here for the first time, I appreciate you being here. And if you've been back, if you're back for more, thanks for coming back. So this is, uh, this in this podcast, this is going to be part two of our Powerful Parenting Tools podcast. And so uh, last month or last time you listened, we covered the first eight of 15 parenting tools. And these actually come out of my book, A Dad's Toolbox for Better Parenting. So I'm going to do a quick review of what we covered last time. And, and they were guideline number one was Praise in public, reprimand in private. Number two was believe in your child's potential. Number three was walk your talk. Number four was constantly catch your child doing things right. Number five was set boundaries and stick to them. Number six was listen. Number seven was hold your children to a high standard. And number eight was inspire your child to greatness. Now, one of the things that I think is so important, and if, especially if you're in a parent or you're an aspiring parent or hoping to be someday, or or also this, these rules pretty much apply in, in almost every circumstance of teaching as well, and that is, is to do it on purpose. So many people, and we've all seen examples of, of people that utilize strat, parenting strategies that they, they never really did on purpose. It's just maybe something with their mom or dad did, and maybe it wasn't even that good and they knew it, but that's just what they knew. And so the whole point is, is that every day, what can you mindfully and consciously do to improve your ability to interact with your kids. And so hopefully uh, you'll get some benefit from some of the tips that I want to go through. So we're going to pick it up right where we left off with teaching, excuse me, parenting, powerful parenting tool or guideline number nine, and that is called choose your battles wisely. And so I think what's important to know is that if you're somebody that is always nitpicky with your kids, man, they're not going to be really receptive to any input that you have, right? And however, if upon every every now and then, you know, you kind of, as Pope, uh, one of the popes had once said, uh, see everything, overlook a lot, correct a little, right? And, and it's such a good guideline for parenting, right? You don't want to be nitpicking them all the time, right? So a, a great example for me uh, was actually my father who did so many things right as a parent, but, you know, he was a pretty lenient guy, pretty easygoing. And, uh, and so, uh, but when he put his foot down, you know, he meant it. But the one time I'm about 17 years old and my father who, who, when he was, uh, in high school and, 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 and before he went into World War II, went into the war, he was a motorcycle buff. he had had several Indian motorcycles. And my sense was he wasn't really exactly the safest driver ever. Right. And he would tell stories about some of the stuff that he did. And he vowed, and he started at a very young age, he vowed, uh, that his kids, his sons, cause he assumed his, his daughter wasn't going to be interested, would not drive motorcycles. So my older brother, Tim and I were told from, you know, do not, you can do a lot of things, but you ain't driving a motorcycle, not as long as you're living with my, in my house. And so, you know, I'd never really tested him on anything like this. So, you know, I, I, one day, what do you know, I'm, I'm at the karate school, man. I had this eye on one of, another student who was much older than me. He was like an old man of 25 or something. And he had this Honda 450, and it had a, a fairing on it, and it had a radio. It was a very cool bike, right? And... uh uh, and so I ended up buying it from him. So I went down to the bank without telling my parents. And, and I believe I paid about, it was everything, all my, my, my life savings. It was about 600 bucks that I'd saved up for this. And uh, so I bought this motorcycle from him. And I very proudly drove it home. And I was pretty sure that my dad was going to be a little grumpy with me, maybe even snap at me. But what was he going to do, right? I mean, you know, he... Well, what do you know? So I pulled that, that, uh, he's actually working out in the, in the carport at the time. And I, I pulled 
this, uh, um, it's lucky I didn't kill myself because I had no idea how to drive at home, right? I pull in the driveway and I get off and I've got this big grin and I'm kind of a little bit of a guilty grin, right? Like, how's my dad going to respond? And he looks at me and he very sternly says, nice bike, sell it. And that was it. He put his hand out and, uh, um, for the keys, I gave him the keys and I never questioned it. Now, why? Because my dad, uh, uh, you know, he, he chose his battles wisely. And this was one that I was, there was no doubt in my mind that I better not push it. That was it. It was a nice try. Uh, because, you know, when he put his foot down, he meant it. Um, flip side of that, a good example. And, and, and hopefully you guys appreciate the, the examples because I know I learn best through stories, right? And this is how I remember and learn stuff. Um, but there was this this one time when my kids were uh, on a field trip, and, and, and the particular school that my kids went to, we did a field trip, and sometimes it'd be a couple days, sometimes it'd be a week. We did every year from kindergarten all the way through to sixth grade. Obviously, the older kids went a little bit longer. And uh, so you know, there's always a troublemaker or two in every school, and my son's was no different. There was this kid, his name was Seth, and, and uh, he was a difficult t- kid to like. To, you know, needless to say, he was constantly doing, constantly doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons. And, and, and dealing with Seth's dad wasn't much better. You know, Seth's dad was, was ruthless in his parenting. You know, he, and he constantly argued and found fault with Seth, yeah, even when he didn't deserve it. And one particular incident stands out in my mind. You know, I was carpooling for a day trip to a museum in Berkeley, and Seth was in my car. And we got along pretty well, and, and he wasn't in much of that trouble that day. When I dropped him off back at school, his dad was waiting for him. He walked up to the car and said, okay, what's Seth do today? that I should know about. <laughs> and and uh, he was like, what? You know, and I responded by telling his dad that, hey, he had a pretty good day and nothing negative to report. At that moment, his father looked over and Seth had been eating Cheetos and he had like a bunch of Cheetos on his chest, right? And he had orange on his fingers. And what do you know? He chewed him out for being dirty, you know? And I can't help but think that Seth's challenges were at least in part due to his father's abrasiveness and relentless and inability to choose his battles wisely. So I was reminded by that, like, oh, hopefully I don't do that to my kids. So make it a point we, as a parent, choose your battles wisely. Remember, see everything, overlook a lot, correct a little. Teaching guideline, or I keep on saying teaching because that's how I'm wired, right? Uh, forgive me. Powerful parenting tool number 10 is to be easily in awe. I want to say that again, to be easily in awe. And what does that mean exactly? I'm not talking about false praise, which can be extremely detrimental, right? Uh, false praise comes in many forms, and, and, and usually we give it when we're not really paying attention. You know, you're, you're, for example, your daughter shows you a finger painting she did in kindergarten. False praise might sound like, oh, that's nice, and you care about your business, right? However, you know, a better term is to take a look at that, right? And, and then to be impressed. Now, this easily in awe is especially important with younger kids, right? A good example would be, is, is uh, I'll never forget this. I'm in sixth grade, which puts me about 12 years old. Mrs. Austin was my teacher. And uh, I do a book report. And when I done the book report, I don't even remember the book that I did. But I remember the fact that I did an oral report and a written report. And after my oral report, it was right before recess, Mrs. Austin comes up to me and she goes, you know, Dave, I'm really impressed. She was easily in awe. She was acting. You have really good comprehension. And that planted a seed in me. And to this day, if you read a book and write a, I read a book, I know I understand it better than you. You know why? Because Mrs. Austin said I had good comprehension. Now, the reality is probably my comprehension is average, but I kid you not, I can't tell you how many hundreds of times when I've picked up a book that that is played into my head. And that can't, 
I, I don't. I think that that only could have had a positive effect because it makes me kind of be open and receptive to input because I've been told I have good comprehension. Um, the flip side, uh, room for improvement, is I'll remember when my son was really little and he was quite the artist and he was four, five, six years old and and uh, um, I get home from the, the school and it's and I got home a little early and he wasn't in bed and the lifestyle of a martial artist is that a lot of times when you're teaching classes until nine or nine thirty, your young kids they're in bed by the time you get home and I found my time with them in the afternoons right and in the mornings before school and so in this particular day I got home early so I was able to see him and uh, my my son uh excited to show me this drawing walked over and uh he, he showed me this drawing of, of this this dinosaur that he had done and i remember just you know having a conversation with my wife and daughter and i looked and i go oh, that's nice alex great and i went about my business and then uh and you know i hurried to change because i was actually i was i was, was going to go for like a late evening run and what do you know door closes to the bedroom so i'm going to change and what do you know my wife comes in and she's not happy and i go what's up she goes well she went in to say that you know uh Alex spent all afternoon drawing that dinosaur picture just for me. And he'd asked her several times if he thought I'd like it. And my response wasn't that, you know, it wasn't what he's expecting. It was just like, you know, and it was extremely disappointed. So, of course, I went back in the kitchen and reexamined Alex's drawing in detail. And uh, sure, I could be a little late for the run, but it was a small price to pay. And I don't know if it quite made up for that I could have done a better job with that initial reaction. But I'll tell you what, when you, if your children are young, try to be easily in awe. And I first learned that quote from Grandmaster June Ree, who recently passed. And I just it's always stuck with me. Not that I've always done as good a job as I could, but it's always stuck with me. All right. Parent, powerful parenting tool number 11. Give your child choices, not ultimatums. I want to say that again. Give your child choices, not ultimatums. And, uh, you know, uh, it, this is such an important but basic uh, thing to, to, to be thinking about uh, is because a, a good example of this is, is that uh, I had some friends growing up, another a couple, and, and they, they, had, uh, they had four kids and they were the Connors and their youngest boys, Nicholas, was, uh, you know, he was really good at testing their patient. The two older kids were like really well behaved and the third was, you know, it was was it was Nicholas, and the youngest one was okay. But that third, Nicholas really trusted their patience. And one night over dinner, yeah, I remember when they were at our house, Nicholas, you know, threw some food at his older brother. And it wasn't the first incident of the evening, and I could I could tell that Dad was losing patience. But instead of saying, "If you don't stop immediately, I'm going to lock you in the closet for a week," like I sensed that he would have wanted to do, right? I'll never forget it. Clearly, his dad took a deep breath. And he let it out. He said, Nicholas, if you stop now, you can still have dessert. And you can watch a movie with the other kids. Um, if you don't stop immediately, you'll be done for the night and you'll get neither. It's your choice, son. And because he had stuck to these before, you know, he'd set really clear boundaries before. Because this was just his parenting style. And he'd given him choices and stuck to them. Guess what Nicholas did? He kind of cleaned it up, man. So he was able to make it, uh, make the right decision because based on past experience with his father, he knew his father was giving him a choice, not an ultimatum, right? Flip side of this story was, is I'm at the grocery store checkout and I'm right behind a, a dad with his two kids. They're misbehaving dramatically. And I'm guessing they were, you know, five and seven. They were old enough to where, you know, they they probably maybe could have had a little better control. But, you know, as who's to, who am I to pass judgment? As parents, you all know, it's easy it's easy from the outside uh, to look at what other people are doing, but man, when you're in the trenches with your kids, it's rough, right? So, and I'm sure this is a well-intended guy that's doing his best he can. He's embarrassed because his kids are misbehaving. 
but it was I quickly got the impression that he was at a loss as to how to handle this kid. So the ultimatums started happening. So the first one was, if you two don't calm down immediately, you're going to be in so much trouble when we get home. And that one worked to calm him down for just a second, right? And next, the dad took out this box of popsicles and threatened, all right, guys, guess what? If you guys don't knock it off right now, I'm going to put these popsicles away. You're not going to get them. And his two kids looked at him kind of with a blank stare, and they were quiet for five or ten seconds. And what do you know? They started up again. And finally, that's when the dad lost and said, that's it, man. You guys are grounded. And, you know, the the bottom line is they both kind of looked at each other, and the, one of them had kind of a smirk on their face, and it calmed them down for a bit. But you know what? My sense is, is they knew that they weren't really grounded. His dad just said that, right? Because what he was doing is he was giving some kind of ultimatum that he really couldn't follow up on. So, so important, man. Give your child choices. An example with that, it'd be like, you know, we tell our parents of our junior kids, maybe if they don't feel like coming to martial arts class, to say, would you like to get your uniform on now for for martial arts class, or would you like to wait five minutes? So you're giving them a choice, right? Just a, little, a small strategy, a slight strategy can go a really long ways. All right, powerful parenting tool number 12, never compare. Now, if you have more than one child, and even if you have only one child, it's so easy to, to you know compare that child with somebody else, either one of your own or somebody else's child, right? Now, we all do it, but the key thing is is when we, when we do it, we try to catch ourselves. Maybe in our head we've compared, but we try to catch ourselves from saying something we might regret later on. You know, I had this one gal. She was this amazing. She still is a student. She's kind of moved on, but I still see her every, every, every a couple times a year. She's this amazing, world-class uh, martial artist. And she started out of school when she was seven or eight years old, or maybe even younger. And and she had a younger sister that uh, was, I don't know, three or four years younger and, and never trained with us. And, and I don't know much about her younger sister, except that uh, that, that, that she didn't, she wasn't as, uh, as fierce of a martial artist as an older sister. And she seemed like a good kid. But I remember one time at a particular tournament that, that the older daughter just did this stellar job. And I went up and uh, kind of, un- I was kind of unaware that younger sister was there. She was there, but it didn't even occur to me. I walk up to the moment, I go, man, you must be proud. So proud of this girl. She She's going to be a champion if she keeps this up. Incredible. And the mom nodded and she, yes, we are. And then she put her arm around her younger daughter. And she says, we're, we are proud of her, but we're, all, we're also proud of our younger daughter. They both are so good in their own ways. And so what she did is she went out of her way to take that moment and acknowledge the other daughter that wasn't maybe a gifted martial artist. I, and, to, so, and, and what was interesting about this is that you sensed from the younger sister that there was absolutely no resentment about her older sister being so talented. As a matter of fact, it, as, they've, as they've grown up, her younger sister was actually the older sister's biggest, uh, um, biggest fan, which is so cool. Uh, flip side, room for improvements. So I've, I've got this dad who enrolls two boys in, in the school. And absolutely, and here's how he introduced his two boys. Basically said this, hey guys, nice to meet you, Mr. Colbar. These are two, these are my two boys. This is Toby. He's 12 and he's a, a great athlete. He's also an excellent student. As you know, he's pretty good at everything. This is Nick. Uh, he's eight. Uh, he's he's not doesn't have the doesn't have the athleticism of his older brother. And uh, you know, I, I tell you what, he doesn't do as well as school either. But you know, we're hoping this will help. So basically, what he did, he's he made his uh, his uh, the little brother look like a knucklehead right in front of his of the older son, right? And uh, and so, man, I, I tell you what, I, I've never. You know, I'd never in my life witnessed such a blatant comparison, you know. And uh, 
I knew this dad loved his boys, and I, and, but he had a strange way of showing it. So I pulled the father aside during the orientation uh, class, and I just I kind of explained to him. And I normally when I do this, I just pull him aside and go, hey, sir, can I just talk to you? First off, I think your kids are cool. Thanks for being here. I, I just wanted something I noticed that we find really successful is that uh, – I don't think it's a good idea that you 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 compare your two kids in front of them like that. I don't think that made your younger son very uh, go very uh, you know uh, what what feel very good. And and as I was saying it, I remember thinking to myself, you know, this isn't very smart to do because parents don't like to be criticized as how to be a parent, right? Fortunately, I, I, it was out of the, the ear of their of their kids, so he couldn't hear. But but I couldn't. I just felt like I had to say something, right? In hindsight, I probably should have waited until I had better rapport, but I didn't. But to his credit, the guy took a second, and I and, and he wasn't saying anything, and I felt like he was about ready to just unload on me with how dare I criticize his parenting. Which, I, and for one, maybe he had the right to do that. Who did I? You know, who was I to give him advice? Or he'd only known me for a few. You know, just. 15 or 20 minutes but you know he goes you know what he goes that's really good advice you know I every time I've done that in my gut it doesn't feel right but that's what my dad did with me and my brothers and so I think just by habit you know I, that's what I've done I, I appreciate the feedback that's what he said and uh, and so what happened these guys ended up training with me for years and years they both got their black belts and uh, uh and the younger son ended up being really talented but so go out of your way if you have more than one child not to compare them with the other child not to say well your younger sister does this or your older brother does this or if they're an only child not to have them compare with the boy down the street or the girl down the street you, you instead you want to compare them with their own potential what is that what 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 they believe and with maybe with your input they can do when they're at their very best all right powerful parenting tool number 13 maintain rigid flexibility what the heck is rigid flexibility that's kind of an oxymoron right yeah well rigid flexibility has to do with you know sometimes you just make exceptions right a great example of this um, and by the way, in case you didn't notice, I'm using a lot of examples out of my own life, right? I just found that that's, that's how you learn the best. And so many of these experiences come from, from my experience teaching martial arts or, or parenting or being a child myself, right? But this one, we had an incident where we had a family of students that were very loyal and dedicated students. And, uh, uh, However, their religious beliefs did not allow them to do anything on, on, on Saturdays. And so uh, it wasn't too big of an issue as they were going through the belt ranks, the lower belts, because it was pretty easy to adjust. But they'd been training with us for years, and it was time for them to test for their black belt. And I remember just having this conundrum, you know, saying, Tim, what are we going to do? Because we, this, the whole black belt test and process is this really big deal. And, you know, it's, it's hard to replicate. You know, it's kind of like you don't just let people do it whenever they want. And I couldn't get my head around. So I was all ready to go to battle with them about they got to make this one exception. To their, it's, you know, it's it's not going to be the same. They need to be a part of this experience. And all the all the maybe legitimate reasonings as to why you want to have a group of people together. But guess what? They weren't going to do it. This was against their beliefs, right, to do anything on Saturday. So my, my brother's comment is, hey, Dave, why don't we just go out of our way? They've been great students. Uh, just, just to do it, make it, have it a special test and do it, you know, on the following Tuesday night. And it, this sounds, if you hear this right now, you might think, of course, but for me, it was like, I hadn't thought that far, you know? So yeah, duh, of course, of course. Right. So rigid flexibility. Sometimes what that means is sometimes you just make exceptions. That's all. Um, 
a flip side, a room for improvement on this is, is, is one time we have this note. It's called an intent to promote letter. And what this is, is when any time a child is getting ready for the next belt rank, they have to have this, this intent to promote letter signed by their parent that says they've been a good kid at home and signed by their teacher that's, that says that they're getting passing grades and they're behaving well at school. And, uh, you know, every now and then we will get one where the, the, the parent says, no, he's not ready, he's not performing well, or the teacher will say, absolutely not. And then, of course, if the teacher says, absolutely not, then we'll talk with the parents. They always have the final word. And and uh, most of the time, the parents will, will stand by the teacher's decision, and then we will hold them off for a certain period of time. Now, the whole idea with this, if you've got a child that's misbehaving, if you, uh, if you prolong their belt promotion too long, you're going to lose your leverage. And so what we will generally do is, in this case, if uh, uh, the, the teacher said, you well, you know, Bobby is, is not uh, currently not doing well at school. He's not behaving well at school. He's got a long ways before he's at passing level. So we could do the, 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 the black and white scenario is to say, okay, until you are behaving perfectly and you've got passing grades, we can't promote you to your next belt. Uh, however, a method that we find more powerful is that, that we ask the teacher to, okay, within two weeks, uh, let's do a follow-up. And if the child is showing progress and effort, then we will pass them. Then we'll pass them on their test and, 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 and we'll do the same thing in a few months. So the whole idea is slow and steady wins the race. And it's a very effective method. Well, in this particular case, this dad absolutely refused to go for this. He says, no way, man. This was like, this was his chance, right? I'm going to hold this kid from getting his orange belt forever until he's a perfect kid. That was kind of his mindset. I remember counseling him saying, you know, I think, you know, as long as he's getting improving. No, absolutely not. Here's the deal. Until he is, is, is uh, got uh, his citizenship is excellent and or above average in citizenship and passing grades, we're not going to let him take his test. So what happens is once the child finds this out, that's so far in the future that you could just feel just the wind come out of the child's sails. And, and uh, I don't think he ever... Within a couple months, they were no longer training with us because what happened is the kid just basically gave up effort. He wasn't trying hard. Once they they weren't, he wasn't trying hard because he realized the end was so far away that uh, you know he, he didn't want to go to class anymore. And mom and dad just kind of saw that that okay, all of a sudden this wasn't working like they planned. They took him out. However, had we just rewarded that effort, rewarded that improvement, right? Uh, then then chances are that child would have been able to continue with us for for a while. So always remember to make to maintain rigid flexibility. All right, only a couple more teaching tips and work through here or, or parenting tips. Guideline number 14, don't speak out of anger. I'm going to say that again. Don't speak out of anger. So, you know, so we, we know this, right? Uh, and I mentioned it uh, at last on the last podcast. We are emotional beings, and logic and emotion are like oil and water. They don't mix. And when we become emotional, we don't think clearly, and especially with, with our kids, man, who we love, right, more than anything, it's very easy to become emotional about stuff. And what that usually happens is we're going to swing that pendulum, and we're going to either uh, do one of two things in many cases. And the first one is to uh, speak out of anger, right, say something we might regret later on, or the flip side, you know, give them gushing compliments that are maybe over the top right and so the, the key thing is is that whenever possible and by the way i found this strategy to be so effective not just with parenting but as an instructor and also as as uh, you know when you're working with people 
you work with, right? If you have subordinates under you, man, if something isn't going well, if you can bite your tongue, if you're, you're, and maybe not literally bite your tongue, but if you're angry with somebody, uh, to, to try not to say or do anything that you might regret later on, right? So super imp- important with parents, but when parenting, by the way, here's a question for you. Is it ever, is it ever, uh, um, appropriate to raise your voice at your child as a parent? Now, uh, here's my opinion. Absolutely, it's appropriate. But because you raised your voice at your child because that's what they needed to hear, not because you lost control of your emotion. It's a significant difference. I, I know that there comes a time when you got to make a point, right? You raise your voice a little bit. You know, As an instructor, as a teacher, you might do that as well. But if you do that because lost, you lost control of your temper, not a good idea. Okay, so man, the 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 best you can uh, to not speak out of anger. Easy to say, hard to do, but totally worthy of the child uh, of the challenge. A great example. I have a, some family friends that the that we their kids are the same age as our kids, and we grew up together. We went on vacations together, and and we when one time years ago, and we were up at our cabin by Lake Tahoe, and uh, um, the dad had a new truck, Kyle. And what do you know, boys are out there riding their bikes around, and Kyle had warned them, hey, be careful around there. What do you know, uh, Kyle's son, man, takes a corner too too tight and ends up, his handlebar ends up scraping the corner of, of the new truck. And what do you know, man, this was Kyle's pride and joy, and I could just feel the anger rising, right? You know, But Kyle, was it was so impressive. He took a breath. He realized, hey man, you know it was a, it was a legitimate accident. Yes, they could have been paying better attention. By the way, here's the deal: the boy was distraught because he knew this was his dad's new truck, and uh, and he was feeling so bad about things. I mean, sincerely, he was just so upset. And so, what good would have Kyle yelling at him done then, right? So it was like this great teachable moment. So Kyle, who was clearly irritated because he's got to get you know do some you know some body work to his brand new truck, takes a breath and walks up and he gives his son a and he goes, hey, buddy, I know you didn't mean to. I know it was an accident. We talked about going slower. Now you know why. I'll get it fixed. Don't worry about it. I love you, buddy. Okay? And you could just feel the the fear and the, and, and the low self-image that the son was, was starting to experience just kind of dissipate. And, and by the way, I'm not saying that you shouldn't uh, like, like uh, you know, reprimand someone if they misbehave or, or, or give them some kind of discipline if they misbehave. But the deal was, you know, every situation is, 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 uh, is different. And I remember just thinking, wow, that was, class, that was perfect parenting. He had every right to humiliate and make his son feel bad, worse than he already did, but he didn't, man. Because he realized, man, my son's esteem is more important than a scratch on my car. Um, classic flip side is something I did with my daughter, Melissa. So she's, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old. Uh, she's in fifth or sixth years, fifth or sixth grade. And man, her fashion is starting to become a very big deal to her. And, uh, <laughs> um, so the night before, you know, she would put out three or four different outfits and somehow in the morning, and uh, ladies, you might be able to identify all the guys are going, really? Because, you know, we can't figure this out, right? Uh, for, forgive me for being stereotypical there. But, uh, you know, the next morning, none of them work. And, and so here it is, man. We're getting ready to go. And uh, and she, she's not ready. She's trying to figure out this outfit. She wants to get her opinion of this. And I just lost it, man. We had the other kids to pick up the uh, at the car. So I, I remember 
uh, I had enough and, you know, we're going to be late. And so I just basically, uh, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it wasn't pretty. And here's what I want to ask you. And when I will, did the, uh, did it help speed her up? No. Did it make that, that usually very pleasant 15 minute drive to school any fun? No, it did not. The fact that I lost my temper and snapped out irrationally did, did not help the process at all. And uh, so fortunately, you know, not that I never did it after that, but I, I was aware of after it came out of my mouth that it was the wrong approach. And I was able to kind of mind, mindfully kind of go, okay, let's not do that one again. And, and I think it, it definitely helped in the process for me going forward and didn't totally traumatize my daughter for life. Thank goodness. Final tip. Okay. Powerful parenting tool number 15 Make sure your child knows that you love her unconditionally. You love him unconditionally. And uh, um, so it seems obvious, right? However, how often have we seen someone withhold their love, right? Uh, a great example of what to do. I had this one family. There were shepherds and there were four boys, all super... They were boys, man. They were about a seven-year time span amongst them, so they're pretty close together and extremely physical and energetic and, and you know, a bit mischievous, but kind of fun mischievous, kind of like my nephews growing up, man. Three boys, all good kids, but a lot of energy. We used to call them the storm when they'd come around because it was kind of like when they were in a room for a while, man. It was, you know, you're going to do some cleaning when you were done, right? And and good kids, but like I said, a little mischievous, right? Uh, uh, but regardless of what happened... Uh, you know, their, their parents were always there for them, you know, and I'll never forget one time, uh, one of the dads had, had uh, one of the sons had done something that was inappropriate and, uh, he was actually caught egging somebody, a neighbor's car. And, uh, it was just on the way down to class. And he actually, because I had as, as many martial arts teachers have over their students, I had a certain amount of leverage over the kids. They looked up to me. And so dad asked me to step into a meeting. And so we sat down and we were going to talk to him a little bit about the ramifications of this. And I'll never forget what the father, his opening line was, you know, I love you, son. You know, I'll always love you no matter what you do, but this behavior is unacceptable. And then he went on to do our thing, right? But the, the whole deal was, is that he let his son know out of the gate, hey, man, I'm not happy with this behavior, but I love you. And it was, it was such a great tone to the conversation. And, uh, um, I recently had a discussion with a young man and, and he brought up his dad's parenting tips and how he, you know, all the dumb stuff he did growing up and how there was never a sense, although his dad showed disappointment, and he was irritated and, and he got angry upon occasion, but there was never a time in his life when he felt like his dad didn't love him. Flip side is, you know, I, I remember going on a, on a, a my, my daughter had a kindergarten class field trip and it was to Angel Island, which is near San Francisco. And at the end of the day, some of the kids and parents were a bit cranky. It had been a long afternoon and everyone was hungry and the thought of driving home in heavy traffic, man, you know, it just kind of brought everybody back to reality. And, and this one girl is having a bit of a meltdown. I, I don't remember what the tantrum was about, but I certainly remember her dad's response. He looked at her and he said, you know, if you don't stop whining, I'm going to leave you here to fend for yourself. There are plenty of other little girls who would appreciate your bedroom and toys. And I remember just being jaw dropped. Like, really? I, I mean, I was, and I wasn't the only one. There's other couple parents that were there, and we all just kind of looked at each other. Like, what did you just say? You know, it was, it was, uh, I, I was really stunned in disbelief. You know, it, it was, and by the way, uh, you know, 
We knew that he really didn't mean it, of course. You know, he was only trying to get his daughter's attention. And then what happened is she became even more hysterical and cried buckets. It took another mom quite a while to calm her down and reassure that her dad didn't really mean that. But, you know, I still get angry when I think about it. You know, put yourself in that little girl's shoes and imagine how it must have felt to have your father, you know, so ready to trade you in. You know, I don't think she felt unconditionally loved. Not likely. You know, we've all been angry with our children. You know, we might have even said things that we shouldn't have, but let's remember to never give our children a reason to think that we don't love them unconditionally. So I want to leave you with a story, and we're going to wrap this podcast up. And, and, and it's, uh, it has to do with a, a story about a, a landscape architect. And basically it goes like this. There's this landscape architect. He's a very, very famous guy that's just gone on all over the world to, and, he, and he's come up with all these, and he like goes to uh, wealthy people's homes and uh, does the landscaping and, and to, to uh, uh, resorts. And, and he just does this amazing work. And, and every time he has a hard decision to make, every time he had a hard decision to make about how to do the landscaping, he'd pull out this piece of paper out of his pocket and he'd read it and study it and put it back in and then he would say something brilliant and everyone was just in awe of this guy's ability to work and so finally this guy passes away and uh, all his uh his uh assistants the people that, that he had been mentoring gather around his wife and say is there any chance you can please let us know what's on that piece of paper because we believe if we know what's on that piece of paper we'll all be better landscape architects and we can carry on your husband's tradition so the lady goes over to the desk of the husband and with all his with his prize papers and she opens up the this box and there's this this crinkled up piece of milk paper and she opens it up and they pre- and and they all look over her shoulder and she proceeds to read it out loud and it says when laying sod always put the green side up what the heck? What a basic story. What does that mean? It's about basics, guys. Parenting is about basics, you know. So, so sometimes we got to do what's called zero basing. Is that we, you know, yes, it can be. Uh, it, it, parenting is not easy. It's it's definitely more art than science. But at the end of the day, if we can remember uh, in these basic tools, then we stand a way better chance to 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 really help our child's develop their full potential. So I'm going to go through these guidelines one more time. Number one. Praise in public, reprimand in private. Number two, believe in your child's potential. Number three, walk your talk. Number four, constantly catch your child doing things right. Number five, set boundaries and stick to them. Number six, listen. Number seven, hold your children to a high standard. Number eight, inspire your children to greatness. Number nine, choose your battles wisely. Number 10, be easily in awe. Number 11, give your child choices, not ultimatums. Number 12, never compare. Number 13, maintain rigid flexibility. Number 14, don't speak out of anger. And finally, number 15, make make sure your child knows that you love her or him unconditionally. So there you go, guys. I appreciate you tuning in. If you're still here, thanks a ton. If you want more information uh, about... Uh, uh, some of the stuff we do, from a, if you're a professional martial arts instructor, go to kovarsystems.com. And uh, if you want to hear more about some of the stuff that we do, please read some of our past or listen to some of our past podcasts. And I've got several books available on Amazon. Feel free to check them out. You all have an incredibly great uh, day. And I uh, appreciate you being online. And I'll look forward to talking to you next time. Bye-bye.